everyone. You're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. Do you have a, uh, a one of those weather apps on your phone? Do you have one of those a weather app? Yeah, most people do. If you don't, you've been watching the weather before, and you've seen a storm, and it makes the whole like radar look like guacamole. You know what I'm talking about? It's like off the coast somewhere. Maybe it's a Cat 5 hurricane. It's scary stuff. And then it hits and you have the storm surge. And I've, I've been involved in that scenario before. And the storm surge is hellacious. It, the water comes in from everywhere. And it seeps into everything. And many times, months after the storm is struck, it's like, We're still dealing with storm surge. There's water in that part of the house. There's water over there too. Look what it's done to the trees and the vegetation. A storm. I've been tracking a storm in my life just as a a student of the Bible and a student hopefully of, of, of life. I've been tracking a storm that's been off the coast of our nation and really our world for several decades. And I said to myself, you know, this storm is never going to hit our country. I mean, come on. This is, this is nothing. I mean, I see it. Some people call the storm socialism. Others call the storm critical theory. Some call the storm Marxism. Some have called the storm postmodernism. But I'm here to tell you, the storm has struck. The storm surge is pretty much everywhere we look. It's in academia, it's in our businesses, it's in our churches, it's in the arts, it's in media, it's in our lives. And so often we we can't really put a finger on it, We, we can't really describe it, but it's a storm. You know, the Bible talks a lot about storms. There was a guy in the Bible named Paul, St. Paul, you might call him. Paul wrote a letter to the Ephesians, and he was dealing with a storm called Gnosticism. And here's what he said. His words are so apropos to where we are. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14 through 15. We will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with with lies so clever, they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. So I'm blown away by how many times the writers in scripture dealt with storms. The church was birthed during a storm. The the church came into being during a hostile environment. And right now, as we look at at the horizon of our culture, it's it's a pretty pretty tough environment. So we've been looking at several things recently. This is the last part of a series that I've been involved in called the United States of Amnesia. Well, this storm is basically made up of several elements. The first element that you, you might have noticed is Marxism. 
M stands for Marxism, okay? And, and, and that is basically divide and conquer. That's what Marxism is. Marxism was basically an economic type vibe. In the 1800s, Karl Marx came on the scene. He spent a lot of time in the British Museum philosophizing. His friend bankrolled him. He breathed the free air of London. And his theory sounded really sexy and cool, but the only problem was it has never worked. Never, ever. Lenin tried it, it didn't work. Mao tried it, it didn't work. Castro tried it, it didn't work. Madero tried it, it didn't work. 110 million people were murdered. What a beta test. I don't need to say any more, do I? Marxism. Okay, critical theory, CT, is something that emerged in the early 1900s. Due to the fact that Marxism didn't really work, a lot of the philosophers jumped off the Marxism ship like rats off the Titanic. Are you feeling me? So they went into critical theory. Critical theory was more of a social vibe, and it's about critique and change. So that's gonna be more social. We'll put an S for that. Then we have postmodernism. Postmodernism really started hitting the coastline of our culture in about 1960, and it's something that's been in effect until today. So postmodernism is about skepticism and let's say relativism. So here's the equation, Marxism, and here's where we are today, plus critical theory, plus postmodernism equals, I don't know, you can say, wasted away again in Marxaritaville, okay? In Marx, how did, how did I make that word up? M-A-R-X, Marx, A-R-I-T-A, is that right? Marxarita, is that, is that okay? Okay, I'm under pressure, I'm a terrible speller. I have all these learning disabilities and every time I, I draw, which I love to draw, I end up having to write words out and spell them and I'm like, oh no. I see all my teachers saying, Ed, you've missed it. The word is not spelled that way. Shame on you, you know, so just, just help me. So anyway, we have this and this makes up really a Marxarita. So it's just dumping all of this on our culture. A Marxarita. Marxism says divide and conquer. It's all about the proletariat, the oppressed, and the oppressor, the bourgeoisie. We say today, the young people, man, that's bougie. You're just talking about Marxism, man. That's what Marxism does. It divides, it divides, it divides economically, divides, 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 and it can mess you up. Obviously, 110 million people were killed because of it. Critical theory is about critique and change. It's a social thing. Always dividing, always classifying people. 
by race, by sexual preference, by gender, and all of these different things. Here's what's so funny about critical theory. The more boxes you check off, the more moral authority you have. What do I mean by that? If you are a female Chinese transgender, those are a lot of boxes to check off, you have more moral authority, if you're following critical theory, than just a white boy. That's how the game is played. So we have Marxism, critical theory, divide and conquer, critique and change. Then we have postmodernism. Postmodernism says truth is relative. There's no such thing as truth. A postmodernist will say there is no such thing as absolute truth. False. You just made a self-refuting worldview statement. Because when you said there's no such thing as absolute truth, that's a statement of absolute truth. We live by absolute truth. Science is about absolute truth, the building blocks. Just life is about absolute truth. So whether you feel it or not, facts are facts. Yet this is a dangerous ideology, a clear and present danger in our world today. So we have a choice, do we not? We have a choice either to remain intoxicated by this Marxarita mentality, or we can, let me do a better cover of the Bible here, have a biblical worldview. A worldview, and I went over this a while back, is our perspective on life. Everybody has one, whether you realize it or not. There's some writing and everything, so you'll know. It's the Bible. The Bible, interestingly enough, is a book that God has given us. It's a miraculous book written by 40 different authors over 1400 years on three different continents and all these different languages and the connectivity and the community and the consistency of it, it's unbelievable. It's still the number one bestseller of all time. People have dissected it, they've burned it, they've said this, they've said that about it, yet the Bible is the Word of God. The Bible is called the living water. Are you feeling me? Storm, water, yeah, you get it? Yeah, yeah. And the Bible flows, it should flow into someone's life, either your life or mine, we have a choice in the matter. So to end what we're talking about, to end racism, to end all of this crazy mayhem we see, to end all of this, the answer, I believe, is the redemptive power of Jesus Christ. That's the answer. But we have to understand there, there, there are definitely truths in these areas. It's not like they're all false. They have some good things about them. I'm just telling you, we need to be very, very careful because, because often the enemy drops weapons of mass emotion in our lives 
And, and, and we get, oh my gosh, so caught up in the commotion of emotion and we're flowing with it and we don't realize what it's connected to. So make sure you realize what your worldview is connected to. Well, let's talk about the worldview. Let's talk about thoughts. Some people say we have 2K, 2,000 thoughts an hour. That's a lot, isn't it? Well, here's what the Bible says about our thoughts. In Philippians chapter four, verse eight, it says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Sometimes I'm praying and I have bad thoughts. Am I the only one? Sometimes I'm in a conversation and I'll think, where did that thought come from? Have you ever been that way before? We're gonna have thoughts sometimes that are rogue thoughts, thoughts that are bad thoughts, thoughts that are evil thoughts. You know, the, 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 the battleground is our mind. That's okay. It's what we do with the thoughts because thoughts grouped together make ideas. And an idea is an innovative dilemma that evolves into action. That's what an idea is. Some ideas are good, some ideas are bad, some ideas are horrible. I have different thoughts, I have different ideas. So my ideas can either be secular, meaning we don't even consider what God would say, or biblical. Now, how do you have a biblical thought? You simply regularly read scripture, let it soak into the soils of your lives. It's who your best friends are. It's what websites you frequent. It's your social media feed. All of those things go into that. I love how God wants us to think. He wants us to think how we think. He's made us as rational people. You have a choice, I have a choice. No one makes me do this. As I've studied though, history and humanity and over and above that, the scripture, I'll tell you, this worldview is the way to live. It is. Even if there was no such thing as heaven, I would say, live this way. But of course there is, and that's another subject. All right. Emotions. We're gonna have certain emotions. We're just emotional people. And I'm glad we are, aren't you? God has emotions too. If I live by this Mark Sarita, emotions are, and I'm sorry, it's kind of messy, but that's okay. Emotions are primary. If I live by scripture, they're still important, but they're secondary. Primary emotions. Well, I feel it, so it must be right. So if you feel it, I guess it's right for you. I firmly believe if someone doesn't know Christ, the, all, the, all the cylinders, there's no way, all the cylinders aren't firing. So we need to ask ourselves, where are the feelings coming from? Am I just feeling this or is it truth? Here's, here's what, Scripture says about emotion. 
Jesus said this in Matthew 22, 37 through 39. They were asking him, they were like, Jesus, what's this whole thing about? I mean, you're, you're this person on the stage of life. You're, you're in your early 30s. What's the deal about? Here's what Jesus said. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Did you see that? Jesus is commanding us, it's our option, to love God. Commanding us. He's commanding us to love our neighbor as ourself. We have a choice in the matter, yet he says, love. Truth and love, they're inseparably linked. Here though is how we commit the sin of empathy. Stay with me now. A lot of times people commit the sin of empathy. We have so much empathy, we say, that the truth is sort of silent. I'm just there, you know, I'm just all about empathy and sympathy. I'm all about putting myself in other people's shoes. Awesome, that's great, we should do that. We also, though, speak the truth, as I read earlier, in love. You remember uh, uh, King Saul? Saul went psycho, but long story short, Saul was supposed to wipe out the Amalekites back in the day. I mean, some of you who are my age remember. God told Samuel, hey Samuel, tell Saul to wipe out the Amalekites. They've been abusing my people, torture, all this, 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 this stuff. Well, here's what Saul does. Saul wipes out almost everybody. He saves King, I love this guy's name, Agag. He choked on the truth, didn't he? Oh, they were like bros, you know, Saul and King Agag. Yeah, we're both kings, you know what I'm saying to you? Well, Saul, follow through. Saul, speak the truth. Saul, do what God told you to do. The sin of empathy. And what scares me about even churches, they're so into empathy, they never get around to the truth. We've got to speak the truth in love. Let's keep going. Uh, so you got behavior. My behavior, if I'm, if I'm drunk here off this uh, Mark Sarita, is going to be about me, basically. And then over here, it's going to be about God. Because I'm here to glorify God. I'm here to reflect his nature and character in all that I do. I don't do it perfectly, nor do you, but that's what it means to do that. And the Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. So you can tell someone is living by a biblical worldview by their behavior. So we're all preaching sermons every day. I don't care what you do for a living. By our lifestyle, by our language, by our relationships. You see, 
Freedom is a gift from God. You remember when I quoted Jesus, he said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Here's what's so crazy about the truth. With truth, with freedom, because of truth, comes a lot of responsibility. And as we look at our culture today, many, many people haven't used their freedom wisely. And when you don't use your freedom wisely, you end up losing your freedom. Think about it, what we've done to the freedom of speech, the freedom of religion, on and on and on. Well, let me, let me explain it this way. When Lisa and I first started dating, or young people, talking, I was 15. And we had these weird laws to where if you were 15, you had this certain type of license and you couldn't be out past nine o'clock PM. Well, we'd been to church and I just bought a beautiful car for $400, a lime green 1966 Delta 88 with snow tires. Yeah. I hadn't kissed Lisa yet. I'm thinking, okay, now's the time to make my move. Got my car. Guys, you're like, okay. Got my hot girlfriend, a biblical babe, right? Because she's a church girl. <laughs> that was good. So after Wednesday night church, I drove her home. Now I lived about 30 minutes away. And my parents would give me some serious freedom, weren't they? I mean, like, take your car. You've never driven it before. Take it. Go to church. Take Lisa home. But you better be back by night. And I knew that. I knew that. So um, I'm talking to Lisa. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to kiss her. I've got to kiss her. And that's a scary thing. You know, you're like, will she kiss me back? Will she say, what are you doing? I, I'm, how do I... How do, well, you know, what, what do you do? So a friend of mine said, well, if she looks at your lips, that means she wants to kiss you. So I'm going, is she <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm, I'll never forget it. I'm standing in, in Lisa's uh, drive. Well, really under this, this carport thing. They didn't have like a real garage, but I was in the carport, open air carport. It was dark. And so I thought, all right, Ed, just go for the kiss. So, and she kissed me back. So that kiss started at about, thank you. That kiss started at about 8.15. And at about 8.45, I happened to glance at my watch. Oh no, I'm 30 minutes away. And so I kissed her again and then nine o'clock. And I'm like, I gotta get out of here. So I run down her driveway, she had a long driveway, jump in the beautiful lime green Delta 88 with snow tires. <gasps> wow, ah! I mean, I'm, I'm flying home, breaking. I, kids, don't do this. Do not do what I've done. Well, my father, I know, here's what the young people are thinking. Why didn't you text your mom and dad? <laughs> <laughs> we, we didn't have cell phones back then. And in a good way, well, in a way, that, that, was, that was better in, in a certain way. That's another subject. So finally got home. My father was livid. 
They had, I thought you could have been killed. We hadn't heard from you. I went out looking for you. Give me your driver's license. So I'm reaching for the wallet. He goes, just, just give me your whole wallet. He says, give me the car keys. He said, your summer is mine. I said, but dad, I was just kissing Lisa. I don't care who you were kissing. Your summer's mine. I've never forgotten that. Freedom, I had it, my, my, my parents gave me this freedom. But I didn't use it wisely. Gotta be responsible. Are you responsible? That, that's one of the things I love about scripture. You know, you know, the Bible is not a Bible of socialism. The Bible is a Bible of work ethic. The Bible says that we should be rewarded when we work. The scripture says, if you're too lazy to work, you shouldn't eat. Now, if you're unable to work, that's a whole nother subject. You know, the church should help and other entities, but man, the, the, the Bible is all about that. So, so the freedom we have, the responsibility we have is an amazing gift and we can't allow anything to take it away. So basically the, the consequences are gonna be, I'll reach my destiny, if I go this way, if I go that way, it's gonna be destruction. That's it. So what are you going to do? Which avenue are you going to take? Think how you think, speak the truth in love, mature in Christ, be the church, because the church is not just a noun, it's a verb. Thank you for listening, and thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless.